0: listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Okay. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Church here at uh, you know one thirty five Main Street in Waterford. I'm glad to be here today. (laughs) I'm so glad everyone's. It's it's one of those one of those Sundays. There's a there's probably a lot of pondering, a lot of meditation on the goodness of God. I'm going to chalk it up to that. So, um, but I'm so glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day, and um, I'm going to invite you to turn to Scripture this afternoon. And uh, we're going to be going in a few different places um, today, and. I'm kind of going to bare my soul here for a moment. I wasn't um, I wasn't sure exactly what direction to go here this afternoon. Uh, It's not that I I don't prepare and put time in or prayer and deliberate, um, but just praying in the spirit this week, the beginning of the week, Monday and Tuesday, I was just inquiring of the Lord uh, where he would have us to go this afternoon. As you know, we've been in the letter to the believers in Galatia, and so I had every intention of picking that back up today. I know it'll be timely for next week as we get into chapter five um, through six. But with everything that's been happening in the world, And we we touched on it quite a bit uh, last week. I kind of wanted to look at the next part of that, if you will. You know, when you think of all the things that are happening in the world, we were looking at the emphasis, when it happens... Don't lose heart. Look up and see where your help comes from. Your redemption is near. And I started thinking about this more and more that in the presence of God, because of this incredible hope that we have, this relationship we, we have with him, the, the world, world can falter. We can face suffering. We can face persecution. We can even face death because in his presence is, is not only fullness of joy, but that we are more than conquerors. And, you know, one point in time, I didn't quite understand this as a child. My dad would say, Andrew, you have the mind of Christ. You're more than a conqueror. And I'm thinking like, you know, gladiator type stuff on television when you'd see them going through those obstacle courses and there's tennis balls flying everywhere and they're they're going through. And in a way, it's it's kind of like that. But it's so much more than that because unlike the gladiators that are working to reach the end of the finish line to win the prize, the prize has already been won through uh, for us through Jesus Christ. We're now resting. And the trail that he has blazed for us today, past, present, future. So I want to pick up on that a little bit here this afternoon. Uh, In Romans 15, verse 4, if someone ever says to you, I don't need the word of God because I have the Holy Spirit. Now, on one hand, there's people in parts of the world that don't have the written inspired word of God and all they have is Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm not speaking against it. I'm just saying the word of God is so able to speak and is relative to anything that we Face. And so, if we have the blessing of having the written word, we want to go to it. We want to chew on it. We want to meditate upon the word of God. And if Romans 15 4 it says this For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. So we may have hope through endurance and through encouragement from the scriptures. Look at at that beautiful statement the Apostle Paul makes. We may have hope through endurance and through encouragement from the Scriptures. And so what's he saying here? The hope for endurance, we're looking at the lives of our brothers and sisters in the faith who have gone before us, especially the patriarchs and that of Abraham and trusting in God for righteousness. And so when it says in Romans 15:13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What this speaks and what this entails to us so simply as looking at that ring and the, the trail that Christ has blazed is that all that's dependent upon us is this. Believe. Believe. Believe in who Jesus Christ says he is and what he says about your today and also what he says about your future. And you know what? This is how we're able to rest in the new covenant Sabbath. The, the rest is Every day. You know when you're facing a circumstance like this week, um, I can just say I fielded some tough phone calls, and it really affected me in um, in the flesh. It was it was there was a burden there. But as I was reading through the word, I'm so thankful, like a bar of soap. It just cleans you up that when you're trying to put it on yourself, when you're trying to weigh through all those things yourself in your own strength, you're trying to sift through them in your own strength. I was so just thankful for this reminder of Scripture. There is hope and endurance, and there's encouragement from the Scriptures. You've probably all heard someone say, Don't go to Oprah for your hope, go to Jesus. Go to the word. And so as we continue on here, life in the Lord includes many life lessons. It includes a journey of, of growing and learning. And many of you are veterans in the faith. You've been through this. You are, you've been serving the Lord wonderfully for many, many years. And so you have seen time and time again, the hand in hand with those opportunities upon opportunities for God's grace to shine in your life. Do you confess that? The God's grace shining in your life. His grace displayed in our challenges. His grace then certainly uh, displayed in all of our victories. And yet in both we encounter his beautiful presence. In meaningful and powerful ways. That in his presence we are more than conquerors. I don't know who needs to hear that today. But in his presence you are more than than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You know, when you read through the word, point one is this as we read the word, we encounter his presence. We encounter his presence. You know, for some reason, at one point in time, the word of God was jettisoned from the assemblies for the sake of worship through other means. We want to experience God in in, in different ways. And somehow, we, in some places, got away from the fact of believing that you can encounter God as you read the word. And so when you look at Romans 15 with the Apostle Paul, he's saying, you will encounter hope as you read. Why is that? Because the word became flesh. The word is God. The spirit of God who, what he hears from the throne room, is the one who moved upon the writers of the the scriptures that wrote and then inspire and encourage us today. And so his presence is there. As we read the word, we encounter his presence. I remember when I went to Master's Commission in 2003 to 2004, I had a decision to make. I wasn't quite sure what trajectory, you know, I was going to take um far as career-wise and what that would really pan to look like. And what I mean by that is, as a, as a young man, um, I had a desire and a call to be used of God, and I believed it was pastoral ministry. In fact, one night I think I shared this before. Forgive me if um, if I if you know if you don't want to hear the story again, but I'm telling you anyway. I was at this gathering, and uh, this traveling minister came through, and you know he's ministering. And in the spirit, he's spoken in my life. He knew my name. He, he read my life like, like someone gave him the notepad on all the days of my life, right? And he goes and he speaks over me and saying, you know, the Lord has heard your prayers as a, as a young child of God and that you, you know what he's called you to. He's called you to pastoral ministry and your hands are blessed to the Lord. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. And then he said this, which I almost forgot, and he said, and in it, you will bring peace, you will bring grace, and you will face battles. And you know, at one point in time, I forgot that part. Now, fast forward, I go to the Master's Commission. It's a hands-on Bible school training program. I knew the Word of God said, study to show yourself approved. How am I supposed to minister to people and talk about the presence of God and being more than Congress if I'm not investing in the Word of God for myself? That I'm just an emotional believer. I don't have any substance. There's no foundation. And so here I am. I'm at Master's Commission and we had this beautiful time every day, every morning. And I'm not, we're not going to enforce this here, okay? But at eight o'clock every morning for one hour, we would meet in the sanctuary and we would pray. And at that time, we had fewer distractions, but we still had different things that we could have been distracted by. At that time, it was the iPod. Okay? And so our director would come in and he'd say, you know, this time is for you to be in the presence of the Lord and you will get out of it what you put into it. And so for that hour, sometimes it was tough. Sometimes we were a little sleepy, okay? But I remember that time of going through the word from cover to cover and reading and digesting the promises of God from beginning to end. To end, How everything comes to full culmination in Revelation 19 where it says Jesus will return and his name is righteous and true. That wonderful time in the, in the scriptures, I could sense his presence and time and time again, no matter what I would face from that point forward, I would be reminded of my time in the word and I would be filled with joy as the apostle Paul said. I would be filled with peace as the apostle Paul said because I was being exhorted through the word. How many of you have been there? You're going through something, and you're like, Lord, I need a word. And so you begin to pray, and then he says, go to my word. And so you open the scriptures, and they like leap off the page to you. I'm not against a group that says, I open the Bible, and I, I move my finger, and all of a sudden I start to read. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit can redeem and speak to us and no matter whatever season that we are in. The important thing is we turn to the word, right? that wonderful presence of God that we feel as we we read his word. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would reveal to us and affirm to us the ways of God according to the scriptures. And that's really important. That's the one thing that separates us. And I'm encouraging this myself today, to not be swayed because of emotional feelings and a deep-seated love for people to but rather operate in what the word would say over us. And so as we read, as we, as we go and pour over the, the scriptures, we're encouraged. We're encouraged by the men and women of faith that have gone before us. Those who are both lovers of God and followers of the way of truth and life in Jesus, even when it wasn't easy. When is the last time you went through and saw someone say, literally, as inspired word of God, say, man, this, this journey with Christ, it's easy. You guys, you guys keeping up? This is so easy. You know, we're blessed and highly favored you know peter says he goes in him his divine power he's given us everything for life and godliness but he says there's things you're gonna have to add to your life there's things you're gonna have to sacrifice you're gonna have to you know take away as the spirit leads and as the spirit prompts because jesus said you know anyone who wants to be my father must you know lay down his lay down his life in order to save it In fact, the Apostle Paul said this to young Timothy, showing it's never easy. 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, I went to the original language and saw that word "persecute" is the same sense as suffering. So when he says, in fact, all who want to lead a godly life in Christ will face suffering, will face hardship, will be persecuted. And I believe the ploy of the enemy was to make some people think this word here only regards those who have been martyred. But Paul's not saying, in fact, anyone who wants to live a godly life will be martyred. He's saying anyone who lives a godly life, you are going to face trouble. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you will have much tribulation or trouble. Same sense of the word. But do not lose heart, for I have overcome the world. And so again, as you're reading through the scripture, you're looking and saying, God's above everything. He's sovereign. He knows what's going on. All I have to do is look to him and trust in him. He has all the answers. He's better than we think. And the word, again, as we dig into it, as we meditate on it, we sense his presence, even especially in the midst of persecution. And so as this week, as you were turning on the television and you're following up what's happening in the parts of the world, we're united with our brothers and sisters in faith that are experiencing the same hope through endurance and as they trust in the word of God that says, I am coming again soon. But in the meantime, what do we do? In The moments that we're waiting for that glorious day, Paul tells Timothy, again, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 12, he says this, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, And it goes on, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. And here this hit me. You know when you're reading scripture and certain things, almost like large print, like the mouse goes over it and you would, you would enlarge that font to make emphasis is that the Holy Spirit just really put upon my heart to show these things don't have to be when you lean into the power and presence of God. These things don't have to be your life. You don't have to operate in a place of being unloving, ungrateful, disobedient, proud, boastful. The Lord works with us in all those things. He's gracious, isn't he? Thank God our situation, our salvation is not dependent upon our works because if it was, we're all in deep trouble because as I said this week, I had difficult conversations and I can be certain I didn't keep my cool in every single one of them. Holding the form of godliness but denying its power Avoid these people. He goes on verse 6. For among them there are those who warm their way into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sins and are led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so also they resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in mind worthless in regard to faith, but they will not make further progress. Make, focus on this part. They will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of these two. But here, Paul, he's like telling young Timothy, don't get down in this, don't stay in the dumps on this, thinking like, like uh, you know, this is heavy or something. He says in verse 10, as true as it is, but you have followed my teaching, your conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch. What persecutions I also endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's the context. All of that sets up that statement all who want to live a godly life. Will be persecuted. And here Paul acknowledges the one who self titled proclaimed album, I am the chief of sinners, says, but it was with the grace and mercy of God displayed in me for the sake of the elect. He was able to acknowledge that it's by the strength and power of God that rescued him from all these persecutions. And you know what I think Paul would have added here, if he could have added anything, would have been that no matter what, I knew that in death or suffering, my life was in the palm and the hand and care of the Lord, no matter what he faced. we face challenges, we face suffering. Again, as we look and see what's happening, our brothers and sisters in Israel, they're facing the literal hatred of God's people. And yet there is hope in his promises, promise of the Lord. Hebrews 4.12 says this, the word of God is living and active. How many of you love just hearing that? The word of God is living and active. It's not some dormant thing. It's not like one of your favorite books on the bookshelf that collect dust and mean nothing a year or two years down the road as a new bestseller comes along. The word of God is living and active. It is the number one bestseller for all time. It is true, it says. It's able to speak to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. That means it knows all about you and how you can overcome. In fact, in setting that up, the writer of Hebrews writes this as we see the presence of God at work in our life and this rest that I was speaking to. In Hebrews 4.10, it says, For the person who enters his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from his Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so no one would fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates as far as the separation of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Are you excited yet that the word of God is so practical and so relative to you day by day? And then to top it all off, Peter, we know he faced so many struggles, trouble, temptation. He writes, 2 Peter 1, 3, he says, God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Don't forget the part. He's called us by his own glory and goodness. Not my glory, not your glory, not my goodness, certainly not my goodness not your goodness. And he says, by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So this isn't saying that you just have a get out of jail free card and you're let loose to do whatever you want to do but it says there is power for you. There is provision for you that you can share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that it's all around us. We can walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We can walk in his footsteps. One of the great and precious promises of the word that Peter is alluding to is that relationship, the manifest presence of our Lord in savior in any moment and in anything that we face John 14:21 Jesus says this the one you can put yourself here who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me and the one who loves me will be loved by my father i also will love him and will reveal myself to him you know, when you think about this promise, as we, we pondered, ponder this, his will is to reveal himself to us in all things. and manifest his power towards us in all things. This goes so much more than knocking on the door of our hearts for salvation, isn't it? Do you believe that's Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and on earth is given, given to me and I am with you in all things to the end of the age? Or was it only so that you could divide the word of truth and go and teach people about who God is? It's so much more than that. This wonderful promise, this divine provision. But sometimes sometimes we maybe perhaps we get wrapped up in life, like Jesus said in the parable where the the things of this world can spring up and seek to choke us out. The hardships. We begin to look to different counselors and and different words, grasping at straws, if you will. And there again, is the provision of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said in 14:26, "The counsel of the Holy Spirit will, that I send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I taught you." And if that's not enough, the beloved disciple continues in 1 John 2:27, "As for you, the anointing you receive remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. Instead this anointing teaches you about all things." And I put this in big bold print, and what is true is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. And so what I preach about that is any given moment of any time, because you have the mind of Christ, my dad used to remind me, you can know his will and purpose in any given situation all the time. When we're designed for him to reveal his purpose in our life, he will answer you. That's what he's promised. He will reveal what is true and what is a lie. And you don't need anyone to teach you. But sometimes, you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit tugs. The Holy Spirit prompts. I've been there. And I'm like, no, not right now, Holy Spirit. I'm busy. And then you know what he does? He sends a brother or sister in the Lord that has the same Holy Spirit who cares about you and then says, what would the Lord say to you? You know what? What's, what's going on? This covering, this authority. I am so grateful in my own life, and I hope you are too, about well, this relationship, this power of presence of being more than a conqueror in Christ, that therefore we can walk as Christ walked. He was, he was all those seeing what the Father was doing in a situation. When he would see needs, when he would see circumstances, he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And so when people would come to him with tremendous faith, like the woman with the issue of blood or all the other stories, he would say, God, you're up to something. And Jesus paid attention and saw them moved in their faith. And he said, because of your faith, you've been healed. Because of your faith, you've been forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And yet, I put this in bold print because I don't want to forget this part so it made sense. <laughs> and yet, we know full well it's the same word that we read as we, as we encounter the, the presence of God, it speaks to us. God's disclosure to us says, I understand that you grow tired. I understand that you encounter temptation. I understand because Christ says, I've been there. I can empathize with all that you face because we have a high priest, priest who went through everything that we face and he understands that we fall short. He never did, but he knows what we face. We can never say, God, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to face ridicule. He's faced the ridicule on a scale that we will never comprehend. The point that people hated him so much, they wanted him to bear the most horrific punishment the world had ever seen up to that point. And yet he did it for you and I because he knew we would fall short of the glory of God. But by that finished work, it is finished. Thankfully, Jesus didn't fall short on that cross. And because of his love displayed to us through that work on the cross, we don't have to make up this margin of error. I put this in extra, extra large print. We don't have to make up that. He paid it all, that error, that sin, past, present, future. That's how we're more than conquerors. Titus 3.5 says there are a few scriptures that will encourage you as they've so encouraged me. He saved us, not by the works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. When you come here, I appreciate people's reviews about the church and the experience of life at Hope for Today. When you come into this place, you are welcome that you would sense the presence of the Spirit of God that transformed you to overflow, that you came in one way, but you don't leave the same. Because it says in Ephesians 2, 8-9, you've been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not from works, so that anyone can boast for you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and that you should walk in them. So the same grace that saves you enables you to walk in those good works. And so the word, as we read, as we encounter his presence, it encourages us in those next steps. And so I encourage you this week, as you go about your day, we can understand we're not, there's no facade about it. The relationship we have with the Lord, the path that we're on, it's the narrow path. It is nothing like the world. And I'm preaching the choir, I'm the choir. It's nothing like the world. We are be called out of the world. His presence goes before us. His presence is with us. And now you might be here today saying, okay, hold on a second, Andrew. You know, with this grace of God, I appreciate that, you know, that's a narrow way. And thank God for his grace. Is not by my works, but by what he has done that I'm saved. But doesn't he call us to live for him in the here and now, to live righteously? And the answer is Yes. But again, when we slip up, it's not those things that cancel us out of the family of God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, it says, He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And so Hebrews ten twenty four, and let us consider one another. Think of the person to your left and your right right now. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. I've heard people say to me, I don't need to go to church. I'm not speaking against anyone in this fellowship. I insist that I'm not speaking against anyone. I'm telling you in general. People say to me, I don't need to be part of the physical church because the Lord is with me in spirit. But here we see the encouragement of the word that when you come together, you're able to encourage one another in the flesh. Like Zoom and virtual media, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful tool. But there's nothing like that warm embrace of being in the proximity of brothers and sisters in the Lord. I agree when people say when they leave a gathering, wasn't that wonderful when we were all singing today and you could hear the the voices raised and in fact you saw hands raised and people praising God mean they're, they're lifting their burdens. That's why we raise our hands. We're lifting our burdens to the one who cares, the one who's above all things. You can't experience that in the same degree or way, independently in isolation. And he goes on, he says, encourage one another in good works. In verse 26, with emphasis, he says, for if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. I can't close there because I don't want you to run for the hills confused. That statement in verse 26 is the acknowledgement of the great apostasy that we looked at last week in the last days there will be a great falling away but in that time the testimony of God the gospel be proclaimed to the nations as a testimony against him and this testimony is this Jesus died for you for the sins of the world, and if you uh, disown him, do not acknowledge that price he paid for you. If you desire not to be in him, he denies you in front of the father. That's what verse 26 is talking about. If you deny the truth, this is the truth of what's going to happen. Because in Romans 5.19, our identity, because we're in Christ, is still righteousness. When we sin, in God's eyes, we're still righteous because of Christ. Romans 5.19, for just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. Righteous. Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God is through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe, since there is no distinction. And so the great thing with the word, encountering his presence, when you feel with dread, is the enemy wants to speak through you and cause confusion as you read Hebrews, uh, you know, verse 26. You maybe walk away again thinking, I can lose my salvation. If you can deny that Jesus is the way, if you can truly believe that and confess that with your whole heart, then yes. But look at this: this presence of, of the Lord, this promise of being more than over- overcomers. Let's go to Romans 8:28 as I close, showing us how this, this accusation of the enemy that nothing can separate us from God in Christ because we believe in Him. Romans 8:28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified, which means to be made right with God. And those he justified, he glorified What then are we to say about all these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also has the right hand of God interceding for us. And Paul says, For who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, because of you our relationship with the Lord, who he is, what he represents, we are being put to death all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. But know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us. Put yourself in there. will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. How amazing the promise of God's presence as we read those words, that ancient text that reverberates with us in relevance for what we face today. This abounding grace, the forgiveness of sins, the provision for us to live a life like that of Christ, resting in what he has done for us. Ron, I'm gonna invite you to come. Resting and what he has done for us. I wanna encourage you this week that whatever you face, whatever conversations you have, rest in what you have in Jesus, who you are in Jesus. That emphasis when he says, whether in suffering and you understand the full ray of what that can look like and even in death, that you are with him, you are united with him. You can feel like your whole world is collapsing before you, but you can rest assured that you've entered his rest and no one can take that from you. Unless of course you can deny that I don't want your rest, Lord. I want nothing to do with you. I want no part of you, Jesus but you know the truth and why would you ever do that? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He says, those who love me will follow me, will keep my commands and my father will love him and I will love him and we will make our home with him he would makes his home with you and so this week as you're in his rest and as ron team prepares to lead us in response allow him to do the work that only the lord can do and sometimes he brings a broom and he sweeps things out and sometimes he brings that reassuring you know hand on your shoulder and saying i'm with you keep on the good fight keep the faith There's so many things our loving Father says to us and speaks over us. Don't miss it. That you'll be filled with hope and joy and peace by the overflowing of the Holy Spirit as you believe in Jesus. Amen. Ron, would you lead us?